Hi, I'm Dr. Morbaja, astrodynamicist, space environmentalist, and associate professor of aerospace engineering and engineering mechanics at the University of Texas at Austin. Hi, I'm Raphael Rodkin, founder of E2MC Space Ventures. Hello, I'm Rick Ward, founder and CFO of Orbit's Edge. And I listen to the Cold Star Project. And I listen to the Cold Star Project. And I listen to the Cold Star Project. Everything that has to do with wide area monitoring. Hmm. I want to monitor the water level in the river, in the Ganges, in India. That is 2,000 kilometers. You need, I don't know, 15,000, 20,000 sensors to, me to measure this whole thing. With the current pricing, this is just too expensive. You cannot do that. The, the cost breaks all business cases. But if you bring down the cost of the connectivity and also the equipment with a factor of 100, then suddenly it becomes interesting. So everything from environmental monitoring, public infrastructure monitoring, think of all the roads, the, the rail tracks, the, the canals, shipping lanes, you can all monitor that, the quality, on a large area by using SmallSat IoT. That is, I think, the market where we, uh, where we have to come. And then you see in the pyramid, you're going down in the pyramid and, and the number of addressable customers increase. This is enormous. This is Jason Canigan, host of the Cold Star Project. I'm here with Hoob Erlings. He's from Amsterdam. Hopefully I pronounced his name adequately. <laughs> and, uh, well, I wanted him on because as you see in the background there behind him, he is with this thing called the M2SAT IoT Lab. And the Internet of Things is something I don't know much about. Uh, I watched this James Mickens video in uh, 2015, 2016, something like that. And he was saying that yeah. IoT security is terrible. However, it has been four or five years since then, and surely there have been advancements. So, Hoop, thanks for being here today. Okay, uh, thanks for having me, Jason. Yeah, you bet. Well, I think we're going to learn a lot here. So, okay, for the layman, <laughs> which I certainly am in this case, what is satellite okay. IoT? What capabilities does it bring and to what users? Yeah, it's, it's, it's basically, I mean, everybody's talking about IoT and how, how uh, in, the, in the coming time we got uh, 50 zillion uh, IoT devices in the home, on the street, in the car, in the city. Um, and um, that is probably going to happen. I'm not sure about how many zillion, but... Uh, all these these, uh, uh, these sensors that are connected to the Internet of Things, all, all devices will be connected, all things will get connected. Uh, that is then the next phase of of the Internet, they call it. But that is all you need. You need some type of communication network for that. And, and, and most of them will be connected via your Wi-Fi uh, uh, router at home, uh, uh, via GSM or 4G uh, networks uh, in your city. There are some new... Uh, radio networks for close by uh, um, and uh, so, but that is all in the in the in the rural areas in the world and um, uh, that's of course also where the people are but it's not necessarily also where the things are so only 10 percent of the world is covered by uh, terrestrial networks and the other 90 percent is not covered or is only covered by satellite and uh, so that is the internet of things in combination with satellite so satellite brings the internet of things uh, connectivity to all those places outside uh, uh, the coverage of terrestrial networks. Okay, so what are you going to use it for? Uh, I, you know, the idea of having a smart refrigerator or something like that, or a light bulb yeah. that turns on and off, doesn't excite me too much. What what uh, use cases do we have here? 
no. When you, when you look back, and um, uh, then I go back uh, quite some time, uh, nearly 20 years, uh, uh, when it started with Imasat that was one of the first uh, uh, Internet of Things, they call it M2M then, uh, satellite services uh, on the market. That was for kind of critical, uh, critical communications. Uh, you could uh, uh, put a sensor on it, uh, so we use it for trucks, for tracking trucks. But you could also send small messages with it, like like a SMS type of service. And one of the first uh, um, uh, applications, one of the first main applications where we started it, uh, was uh, basically the the use in the in in the war in Yugoslavia. We had Dutch uh, uh, troops there. They were uh, uh, in trucks driving out goods, and there was no communication whatsoever. Uh, GSM didn't exist then. Uh, terrestrial networks were not available, and you can put up radio masks, but in, in, a, in a situation like that, you don't want to do that. So the only way of communicating with the truck was via Imasat C. And then uh, we put a GPS receiver on it, so the, the, the people at the headquarters could always follow where is the truck. And in case of an emergency, the, the guys in the truck could hit a button and then say, help, somebody shooting at me, come and get me out. So that was really one of the first uh, applications. and. Um, Quite soon after that, uh, it, it also expanded to the maritime market. Uh, when you go in an ocean-going vessel, you need something that is called GMDSS, uh, Global Maritime Distress and Safety System. It's obligatory, so you need to have a unit on board of your ship that in, in case of emergency, you can, uh, you can again hit a button and, and say help and the Coast Guard comes and gets you. Uh, so that, that were basically the two uh, uh, main application in the beginning, so for tracking uh, of vessels, of trucks, and also for uh, yeah, limit, tax communication, SMS type of tax communication. Okay. Uh, just looking through your LinkedIn profile, what we've been just talking about is called Inmarsat-C, uh, and I got to discover yes. what it was. <laughs> Look at the, the Wikipedia page, and I'll link to that in the description below. It's quite an old system indeed. Yeah. And and I joke here in our Q and A sheet, you know, it seems like when dinosaurs roamed the earth in the yeah, 90s, yeah, 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 you were yeah. a product manager yeah, yeah, yeah. at Inmarsat yeah. working with this thing. Uh, yeah. And so I'm curious, what stands out to you today as the most important thing you learned in that time as a project manager? In that time, the the the, the main difference, and I remember well, we Inmarsat was was mainly then uh, satellite communication was mainly about voice traffic, so you had these satellite phones. Remember the guys in, in mm -hmm. Baghdad sending over their phone, uh, the live video uh, uh, messages. Uh, but this was data. And it was not just data, it was, this was application. So the, the, the GPS data from the trucks, they go into an, a map on, on the desk of the, of the dispatcher and he can see where the truck is. Uh, so for that, you need a whole application and that was new also to, to our sales teams. I remember they couldn't quite get that. That was data. What is a strange thing? Data. Voice minutes is easy, but data was, was quite complicated. So one of the main thing what I remember from that time is that uh, it is a teamwork uh, the, to, 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 to produce a service like that is interdisciplinary teamwork uh, between salespeople, marketing people, technical people, uh, product managers, uh, financial people. And we had what we had, we call them the Imasat C, C team. And uh, that worked very closely together. And 
that made the, the service uh, to a success. And then we work, of course, also very closely together with all kinds of system integrators that were specialized in maritime communication or in trucking or in uh, monitoring pipelines. Uh, so you had all different sensors in that. So it was a very close cooperation between a lot of different parties uh, to get this thing up and running and to keep it up and running. And yeah. that is all, always what, what really interested me um, because it, that is also a science, <clears throat> apart from having a PhD in physics, which I don't, uh, it, there is no formal information on that. You have to, to, uh, to, to try and work out and make it work. And um, that is still applies now. Uh, it's, it's not, uh, you cannot read this from a book. You, can, you cannot learn this from a book. You have to do it in practice. You have to do it. And, uh, and with a lot of different people, uh, because the, the technologies involved are very varied. Um, so, so that is, in the, the, for me, the most interesting part of, of this business. Okay, I like it. I like it because you got to see. Look, there's the danger of the silos of the business not yeah, yeah, communicating yeah. to each other. And you, you, you. We had a very yeah. small team then uh, within Station Twelve. Uh, that was called. There was a KPN, uh, KPN uh, department, but mm. we were quite autonomous on what we are doing. Uh, if if KPN would have applied the normal rules for of a big uh, national telco, mm. this wouldn't have happened. You need a small mm. team that interacts very rapidly uh, to develop a service like this. Yeah. Right. I mean, even conceptually, like you mentioned earlier, uh, the sales team has to get their head around, what is this, right? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> be able to explain it in a way. Luckily, we had customers that were happy. So uh, the sales sales was only evolved after two or three years. They wow. never got around. But we had to word to mouth, word to word uh, 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 promotion, so to mm. say. And... Um, and so that worked in the beginning worked well people copy uh, when something works and it mm -hmm. is critical communication people copy quite quite fast eh? they see hey what is the dutch doing hey that's working okay the british we want it as well so we go to uh, the uk tell them how it works of course they never take a, a dutch service they have their own ground station but that's okay the the mst market grows yeah so that is how it works yeah. okay the, the first thing that jumped into my head and i Maybe I'm way off about this, but I, I am curious. Um, so with Intelsat C, you can you can control how the data comes in with the sensors, right? And then the data is in a box. And then what happens when it needs to integrate with other systems, uh, existing systems, uh, for a client, for that, let's say? Uh, for that, uh, I mean the, the data from let, let's say a GPS uh, mm -hmm. uh, data message, so so your location, it goes into the MSAT C modem. It goes up to the satellite, it comes down to the ground station, which was in Buren, and from the ground station, and basically you are connected to the internet. Mm -hmm. And from there, you go to a fleet management application, which is at the headquarters of the trucking company. So the, the, the fleet management software mm -hmm. receives the GPS uh, location data, mm -hmm. and then displays that on the map, basically what you are, what, what everybody with Google Maps now have. Eh? Everybody has it. So mm -hmm. if you can put your location data into your uh, your uh, uh, map, your, your, then, then you have it. And that's basically all. Okay. So there really wasn't a translation problem because of the GPS standard, right, of communicating. No. Have I got that right? Yeah. 
you have uh, there is not much standard in this world so uh, <laughs> yeah. all, all uh, data coming in uh, you have to talk to the customer say okay what format do you want how is the data mm -hmm. how, how can you process your data in your application and then you you uh, yeah transcode it so to say and and then uh, make the interface to their uh, application so okay no there it is <laughs> okay is that is that interface uh, system a complex thing that takes up a lot of labor on uh, on yeah, say Intelsat it, it, side. Yeah. I mean the traditional uh, it's in Massat. Eh? Mm -hmm. Intelsat is another, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Uh, the 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 engineering uh, of these traditional uh, um, satellite IoT services in Massat, uh, Iridium, uh, later also Turaya, they were quite. Uh, they, they were quite expensive, they were quite uh, uh, power hungry, and also they were quite uh, complex in the, from an engineering point of view. Mm. So also to install and maintain them is was quite quite expensive. So what you see is that you only, uh, uh, they are only used in, in li like uh, the, the Dutch forces in Yugoslavia, uh, you have uh, trucks, you have on sea, you can only uh, use it where you can afford to pay uh, not only the, the, the connectivity cost, but also the, the, the investment in, the, in, in equipment, the engineering that is involved. So um, if it's really critical communication, then you do it. And uh, I mean, there's no choice. If, if life is at stake from somebody, uh, price, price goes out the window eh? and, and just mm. you want security for your people. Okay. Yeah. The reason I wanted to find out is uh, way back in, in my dinosaur days, I was a business development manager for an IT firm. And we had this problem, this connectivity thing all the time. Um, and we worked more in yeah. financial and um, online selling and that before things like Shopify mm -hmm. were around. And yeah. with electronic yeah. data interchange and uh, EFT yeah, yeah, exactly. payments, yeah, you have, yes. say, yes. cubby holes on either all side, over again, right? All over yeah. again. The oh, data yeah. comes out, and if there's nothing there to catch it on the other side, yeah. it's lost. Yeah, so you Whoops. have to build something. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. I make you a proposal. Yeah. Cost you so much. Mm -hmm. Oh man, is that expensive? Yeah, you want the data, and yeah, you have to <laughs> That is how it works. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's cool. I, I I didn't know. Yeah. If if it was parallel like that, and it turns out it yeah, is. Yeah, that's very parallel. And yeah. this whole EDI, remember that was. Uh, uh, electronic data, electronic data interchange. So there was all discussion about all these parties on the formats of the data to to standardize on that, and uh, yeah, that is now all over again. Because right. all the sensors that you see, and there's many sensors, and every uh, every day is a new sensor on the market that applies a different format. Mm -hmm. So you have uh, between the ground station, so to say, where we receive the data, and the application, there is there's a separate. Uh, building blocks, so to say, yeah. that takes the data, transforms it, cuts it, does uh, some quality assurance, and then sends it to the application. Yeah, yeah, All that's great. Customers. That's great. I really wanted our listeners and viewers to understand that it's not so simple as okay, we have this thing now, it's perfect <laughs> every time. It's really good business for you. <laughs> <laughs> every time you're going to need help integrating that thing. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. let's is... move to our next question then. Tell us about the existing satellite IoT services and their market. Yeah. <clears throat> As I said, we, we had these, uh, I call them the traditional satellite IoT, Imosat, Iridium, and uh, Turaya. But now what you see at the moment is, uh, or since a couple of years, you see a new generation of uh, satellite IoT networks uh, coming up, and they are using small sets. Mm -hmm. And small sets are very uh, 
a small is, uh, they, they also call them cube sets. And a cube is a 10 by 10 centimeter uh, compartment. <coughs> and you can three, put three together or six together or 12 together. Uh, but they're this like shoebox, like this, this size. And when you compare that to a, 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 a Nemoset satellite, which is in geo, uh, right. um, they are huge. They are huge. Yeah, higher up and bigger, <laughs> way bigger. Yeah, they're yeah. also bigger, more expensive, cost a couple of hundred million. And uh, 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 the small sets, they, they operate in LEO and low Earth orbit. So uh, they only have six, seven hundred kilometers. And um, uh, they are much cheaper, much cheaper. And by that, you can bring down the cost price of a packet. Right. And that is the whole trick. Uh, these the, the small set systems are designed to 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 be uh, um, a magnitude uh, cheaper in uh, connectivity cost. Also, equipment cost is much uh, lower, and um, uh, they also uh, use much less power. Mm. Uh, they are more uh, um, yeah they are designed uh, in a status that they sleep 99% of the time. They are sleeping. Mm. <clears throat> they only wake up when the satellite comes over, send a message, go back to sleep. And by that, uh, one re important requirement for IoT is that you have a, a unit that you can put in the field that's mostly very remote. So you don't want to go back there and change any batteries or, or, or repair it or something. You put it out and you forget it. So they are typically built to last like five years in the field. And then you just write it off and you replace it all together. Okay. And what sorts of things will people be doing with these satellites? What what <clears throat> what you see in in the market is if 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 you see this as 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 the as the market the pyramid of market mm -hmm. the traditional satellite systems are in this in this top uh, top segment where it is critical communications and they are uh, uh, they are prepared to pay for that and and hire engineers to fix everything but the the a lot of uh, uh, normal business so to say where this communication is not critical they just cannot afford it and examples are, are um, everything that has to do with wide area monitoring hmm. i want to monitor the water level in a river in the ganges in india that is 2000 kilometers you need i don't know 15000 20000 sensors to 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 to, me to measure this whole thing with the current pricing this is just too expensive you cannot do that it's 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 the, the cost is 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 it breaks all business cases. But if you bring down the cost of the connectivity and also the equipment with a factor of 100, hmm. then suddenly it becomes interesting. So everything from environmental monitoring, uh, public infrastructure monitoring, uh, think of all the roads, uh, the, the, the rail tracks, the, the canals, the shipping lanes, you can all monitor that, the quality, uh, on, on a large, uh, uh, large area by using small uh, uh, small sat iot and uh, that is i think the market where we uh, where we have to come and then you see in the pyramid you're going down in the pyramid and, and the number of uh, addressable uh, customers increase this is enormous mm -hmm. okay so the the monitoring security you could make sure nobody's coming into a protected place uh, if you can see them, security. I would, well, it would be yeah. be, 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 be a bit careful. Yeah, it's not uh, what fast you see enough. At the moment, on the on the exactly. resolution, yeah, not yeah. fast. It's more a question of latency. Mm -hmm. We call it. Uh, and if you have 
only one small sat uh, in mm -hmm. NEO, you can have already a, a, a global coverage. And with, you know, with geos, you have to fall around the earth right. on 30,000 kilometers and then you cover the world, not the poles. But uh, Imosat of uh, Iridium already is turning around in Leo, then you have uh, global coverage. But it, with one or two satellites, you could already cover it. But like here in Amsterdam, where I am, the satellite comes over like four or five times a day. Mm -hmm. If you go north to our ground station is in Svalbard in Norway, very high near the, near the North Pole, there you see the satellite 14 times a day. Hmm. Um, interesting. Uh, right, you're going to get more images. And all right. of stuff and, and they, so it means that, but if it's only coming over four times a day, I can at the max, at the max, only send four messages a day with one satellite. With one mm -hmm. satellite. And so right. that is where, where you see a lot of systems and also starting with service levels, like one day, once a day. And then when you, when you put in more satellites, then you go to once per hour and then even more satellites. Then you go to the level what, uh, for instance, uh, uh, the GSM networks here in Ontario, you have 100 messages a day. Mm -hmm. I think that is the level where we're going. But again, there you don't want to use kind of service like that if it's really critical, if, if, if really is security involved. Mm -hmm. and then, then you, you want something, something yeah, that's time. continuous. Then you go back to Iridium or Emosat, which, right. which is much faster, much lower latency, uh, much more robust service also. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the real so question is, is markets, <laughs> then, mm -hmm. the, the, the markets, what you can address with this, are the markets for non-critical communication. Mm -hmm. Uh, so the, the, if you mo want to monitor things on the longer term, that, that is perfect. You get all right. the data back from all these dispersed sensors over wide areas. That is, therefore, it's ideal. Mm -hmm. So I, I expect a lot of uh, benefits for, uh, from these systems uh, for like, uh, also for public, uh, public sectors like uh, uh, healthcare, uh, environmental uh, monitoring, climate change, these kind of things. You can monitor, you have no better, much better tools to, to see what's going on in the world. Right, so the question is how long of a blink can you stand in between images, I guess, where the, the eyes are open and then closed for a while, maybe, <laughs> you know, 10 hours or something like that of the day. And then they open yeah, again and take another image, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, that is, the, that is the, 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 uh, you see the same with uh, uh, Earth observation satellites. Mm -hmm. uh, th there you see the same thing. We have, we have now also small sat, uh, uh, Earth observation satellites that make photos. Mm -hmm. And there the same applies. The more satellites you have, the, the faster you can make pictures. Right. And, uh, or the more pictures per day you can make, you know, let's say it like that. Uh, right. And uh, that gives an ever better uh overview of, of of how the world looks and the same goes for the for the sensors uh the more sensors they have the more satellites you have the uh, the more uh, uh data is coming in mm -hmm. and the better uh how more or more data points you have the better your forecast the better right. your predictive maintenance right. yeah. the better you, you can know when, when something happens Right, spillover <laughs> effects yeah. from from knowing the data, not just pictures, but the data, which is the yeah. This is data. Location. Yeah. Pictures, pictures mm. can only do so much. Right. They are very valuable. But uh, for instance, if you talk about uh, uh, the soil humidity, mm. uh, important in in agriculture, from satellite uh, Earth observation, you can go only like to twenty centimeters. Mm. But if you have a, a soil sensor, you can put it in one meter. 
So you have a better, better uh, uh, overview of the soil moisture in, the, in uh, the moisture in the soil. And if you combine the two, you have even a, a better one. So mm. th that is what is going to happen. Uh, uh, Earth observation satellites are already there, but the resolution, if you want to, is not so high. But if you com combine it with uh, the data from uh, uh, ground-based sensors, the resolution goes up, and you get much more data and much better forecasts and predictions. Okay. Yeah. I like that a lot. I, the first thing I think of with a trucking company or something, you're going to find out the actual routes the trucks are taking as opposed to the planned ones, and maybe that affects your maintenance oh. schedule preventive maintenance, um, inventory purchases of parts. Yeah, uh, one, <laughs> one, uh, one, one uh, early application mm -hmm. for that is uh, uh, in, in Brazil, for instance, was uh, uh, geofencing of trucks. There were a lot of mm -hmm. types of trucks. So, so you know, this is the road that the truck has to follow. Yeah. Okay, he can go off the road maybe uh, half a kilometer, but not that. Mm -hmm. then, then there's something wrong. Uh, so when you see that it's Going out of the out of the uh, of that fence, mm -hmm. uh, the motor shuts off, the, the doors close down, and the thing goes on lock. Right. Uh, so, so these are and you can automate that. Yeah. Uh, same you can do with fishermen. Uh, are they in uh, in a protected area where you're not allowed to fish? You, you that is all you can monitor that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I like it a lot, a lot. Well, uh, yeah. so those are some of the hotspots then that. Uh, where, where it's going to impact. Okay, uh, let's talk about the satellite IoT lab there. Um, what's your vision for it and, and how have you carried it out? Yeah, the, the, uh, uh, the main vision is what, what I mentioned earlier is that you can only learn this, this satellite IoT by doing it. Hmm. And, uh, but what I noticed, I, I talk with some uh, uh, universities Universities here in Holland is good in water management. So we have to watch the water. So we have a lot of expertise on water. And they talked to the guys at the university. And uh, they were very interested in, uh, uh, first they didn't know there was something like satellite IoT that you can apply also in wherever you want in the world. But okay, when, once they got that, then uh, uh, they were interested, uh, can, we, can we do a test? Yeah, of course you can do a test. But then um, you, you, uh, you, you ask, okay, what, what is the customer? What is the customer? Why, why are we doing this? And then it becomes very difficult. And what you then see is, and we have uh, 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 not only high expertise on water, we have also very good agricultural university, we have logistic university, we have a good maritime center here, and they are all like locked in their uh, knowledge. Where if you look in the world, there's a lot of uh, need for 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 like the agricultural world uh, for help to improve uh, production. I mean, we have to feed 10 billion people uh, in a couple of years, so you can only do that by smart agriculture. So what 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 I try and do with the satellite IoT lab is, is by, by doing it is connecting this knowledge center uh, with. The, the the farmers in the agriculture center with farmers in in all over the world and the same you can do with water there's a, a lot of water problems in big cities in 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 delhi in Kapstadt. Uh, they have no idea how much water is in the ground david elf hydrology or i can also mention cardiff here in 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 in, uh, in, in the uk where i work also with they have models on on groundwater or on melting ice and stuff like that 
if they are inputted with data, they can refine the models, but they can also give advice. Uh, what happens at the moment in, in big cities is everybody's pumping. Nobody knows who is pumping and how much they are pumping. And the, the water level goes down if you don't manage it. And if, if, if you don't uh, stop it, it goes below sea level, then the salt water comes in and there is no water at all. So that is really an important issue. And um, what I want to do is together with, with these knowledge centers, we have, a, I mean, with, with satellite IoT or with IoT, you always, the, the key is in the an, data analytics. I get a lot of data in and then I have a very clever guy or some artificial intelligence maybe that, that crunches these figures and says, hey, what I see, no, we have to do this. And that is, I think, the challenge what we have to do. But that is, again, only something you can to do, you can learn by trying it. Because not many people uh, in, in the institutions like university have a good uh, uh, picture of what the possibilities at the moment are. And again, there you need to work together with, you need a sensor, you need a modem, you need a satellite, you need ground station, you need the data analytics, you need an app. Um, that whole chain has to be formed. And uh, that is why we founded M2 the IoT Lab, because we're talking, talking, I mean, not really getting to. And um, uh, that is also what you see with a lot of uh, IoT. I mean, in your home, your smart refrigerator, yeah, okay, you have it and you don't use it and it costs you money and okay, raise mm -hmm. it, gadget. Uh, but if you really talk about a, a global satellite IoT application for monitoring uh, whatever, the, the height of the river uh, to, to prevent or to not prevent flooding, uh, to, to mitigate the, the, the effects of the flooding, um, yeah, then you're on a different scale. And uh, that is something what you only can do in practice. So we started the, the IoT lab just uh, this is also part of it. We explain what, what the possibilities are, what you can do with it. And we make, uh, and we create value change for the different solution, solutions where we combine sensor manufacturers, modem providers, uh, data analytics company, and uh, also uh, interface builders like for apps to, and then combine that and then uh, bring it to the market. So that okay. is the basic, basic where, where we start. So at the moment we do a lot of um, uh, education and uh, but as uh, we are also aware of the different new uh, satellite IoT systems, we have prototypes, so we are working that to to build that into systems uh, to see what that can bring. Yeah. Okay, so it sounds like a lot of outreach to get in front of the people who need this. Yeah. Uh, but once again, that conceptual issue comes up, right? It's like yeah. They, they have to see this is how it's going to impact me. It's wonderful yes. to hear about all this stuff in theory, but you know, yeah. we're a data science machine learning company, same thing, right? It's like yeah, that capability means nothing until you can get in front of a person who, who can use the customer, results. You need a customer, right. and that's right. something very strange. Um, they are intrinsically uh, uh, interested in this technology, mm. uh, but you have to, to, to let's say bring take it a step further and say, okay yeah. other people can benefit from this all this knowledge we have here in holland or in in, in the west or what mm -hmm. it's not in in these universities or in these knowledge center we have to bring it out we have to to use it in in in, in practice in our everyday world and world and that mm -hmm. is a click somebody has to make uh, but yeah mostly uh, once we talk and, and and get the project going that that goes okay i mean 
they see that that uh, they are clever people. Let's say mm -hmm. like that. They see that that there is use for what they are doing, not only for the university itself in the ivory tower, but you can go outside as well. Right. Where can people connect with you and find out more about the lab and what you're doing? Yeah, I have to. Uh, yeah, in, in the set uh, set IT lab, you uh, logos there's so our website. It's nothing much, but just an entry page, a uh, phone page. But uh, that's where they can connect me. And there you see also my uh, my uh, email and stuff. All yeah. right. My guest today has been Huberlings. He's at uh, M2SAT IoT Lab. Thanks for being here. Yeah, Jason, thank you very much for this interview. I really enjoyed it. And uh, keep up the good work. And uh, yeah, I hope I made space a little bit more uh, boring uh, uh, with the team of your show. Uh, and uh, But on the other hand, it can be fun as well. Hey, this is Jason Canigan, the host of the program. Thanks a lot for listening to The Cold Star Project. If you want me to send you new episodes of The Cold Star Project so that you don't have to go hunting around for them or watching YouTube or anything like that, go to this page, coldstartech.com MSB. That's short for Make Space Boring, which is what we're all about. And uh, drop in your email address there, and I will be able to do that for you. Make Space Boring is another little show that I run. It's a shorter format, quick interviews, and uh, news of the day, and sometimes an update of who I'm meeting and what I'm learning in the space field. It's on the same Cold Star Tech channel. Speaking of which, on the YouTube channel, I can do something I cannot do on the audio-only version, which is add playlists. And so there may be topic area playlists on the YouTube channel that you would be interested in digging into and going down the rabbit hole and learning uh, more about. For example, space law and policy, space situational awareness, the lunar mining and construction and fun stuff like that. So go check that out. Uh, that is at coldstartech.com play. That's the short link to get there. Anyway, thanks.